Welcome to the soccer podcast where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. I'm Sebastian, and this week I'm joined by Anthony. Going on, everybody. And Dwayne. Let's have a great show. Let's let's have a great show. Jenny's have on vacation. Show. Jenny's on vacation this week, so uh, we wish her a fun time wherever she is. Uh, all right, so week five just ended. Um, all of our teams are starting to really. Uh, ramp up which is good uh very excited about the numbers yesterday i got i was watching i was looking at the fields at middletown village and i uh was able to see we had pretty much players in all the fields that we have uh it was really it was really exciting to see uh i think what's what's more fun to watch is how excited the kids are about playing uh what we're also really excited about is summer camps anthony we got summer camps coming up next week yeah, we got summer camp starting next week, and then we got summer camps for the next four weeks after that. So we're getting ready to have a nice stretch here. Um, you know, we're really excited. We have our night camp uh, from five to eight next week, um, and uh, we're looking to just have people come out and have some fun. We're going to work on some basic skills, uh, dribbling one day, passing another day, defending, shooting, stuff like that. We'll work on the technical aspect of those things for maybe an hour or so. We'll play some games involving those things, and then we'll just finish with playing. It's going to be fun, um, and uh, we're just excited to get camp started back up again for the Delaware Union because they're very, very successful. And, you know, I think a lot of people in the Middletown to Dover area just love having that outlet that we provide that they can you know have some for relief for themselves as parents that just drop their kids off and know they're gonna have a great time and and come back and pick them up and do it all over again the next day so we're excited yeah oh I, i'm i'm very excited about the camps anthony is uh, i've gotten a chance to work with anthony through multiple camps over the years and the amount of excitement he brings to a camp is uh is maybe only rivaled by soccer dan <laughs> uh, which which we're working i've been i've been talking to soccer dance people and we're working on getting him on the podcast it, he's got he's got a lot of demands uh he's one of those people like stuff going on yeah he's also one of those people that wants like m m's like re, like brought to him but only like he only wants the green ones doesn't yeah. want the rest of the yeah just so he's got a lot in his writer so it's 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 taking some time but soccer dan will be coming on the podcast very soon hopefully uh what we also have coming up next week is we have a very important awesome exciting news for our recreational program in middletown we get some news coming up next week so be be on the lookout for that and all of our social media platforms so if you follow us on facebook Hit us up, facebook.com slash Delaware Union. Instagram, at Delaware Union Soccer. And Twitter, at DUnion Soccer. Uh, what I'd like for this week is for uh, everybody to send us a message with a topic you would like for us to discuss at a future podcast. So either through Twitter, Instagram. Well, Instagram's a little harder. I guess you DM us, maybe. Yeah, there's uh, a DM button. Or, or Facebook. You can message us on Facebook uh hit us up let us know what you want us to talk about we will evaluate it uh we'll run it through our uh through our analytics and marketing department see if it makes sense and then we'll we will try to get your topic on the air and we'll even give you a shout out so hey shout out to our analytics and marketing team 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Shout out to the analytics and marketing team. They do a fantastic job. All right. With us today, we have Kelly Brown. Kelly is the head women's soccer coach at Regis University. Kelly, how are you? Doing well. Thank you for having me. We're very excited to have you on. You are our first guest from out of state. Whoa. Lucky me. Yeah. I mean, big shoes to fill, Phil. You know, we're, we're going to raise the bar for out-of-state guests. Well, I was going to say, Delaware's got a high standard. I hope I can match it. I think so. I think, uh, I think we're going to talk about some different topics that you're going to give us some great insight on. And we're going to get to know you a little bit better and hopefully uh, make you tell us things that I don't even know that you knew. <laughs> so. Well... Looking forward to it. <laughs> so you just took over the uh, the the head soccer or head women's soccer coach role at Regis University. Uh, can you give us a little bit of a recap of the 2019 season for the Rangers and what you're looking forward to as you 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 go into these uncharted territories for where we're all living in? Yeah, no, 2019 they did okay. Um, they finished fifth in regular season. Uh, they got knocked out of the first round of the RMAC tournament, which was a little disappointed, disappointing, I think, for them. Um, they have really high expectations for themselves. So taking over the program, I'm excited to kind of capture that disappointing season uh, and use that as motivation to kind of get back on top of the RMAC. I think in the past, they've always finished in the top three, top four, and that's what our goal will be going forward. Um, we have a huge senior class. I think we have nine seniors for this year. So hopefully, one, we get a season. And two, we can give get those seniors playing the best soccer they've played over the past four years and, you know, winning our championship the first year. That would be my goal, but we'll see. No, that's exciting. And, and you've had the – I think you probably had the unique experience of having played at Regis and also you were an assistant coach at Regis as well before. Yep, so I played there in 2006, which was the RMAC, the conference looked a little different. Um, coached there in 2010 to 2012, got my master's there, and then now I'm back in 2020. So I've seen the program evolve. A lot of things stayed the same, but a lot of things have changed, including the conference and kind of how competitive it is. UCCS is now on the national map, and back when I played, Metro State was winning national championships, so it's it's a competitive conference and it just keeps getting bigger and more competitive. That's awesome. We're, we're looking forward to, to how you guys do next year. I think that'll be really exciting. What's the style of player in general you look for when it comes to recruiting? It's hard. It's like, I get that question a lot from players. Um, it's funny because whenever I get a recruit, the first thing I ask them is why do I want you? What makes you special? And the very first thing that comes out of their mouth nine times out of ten is I work hard and it's like well yeah so does every single person that plays collegiate soccer let alone all those players that didn't play collegiate soccer they all work hard as well so we have a lot of hard workers <laughs> um but what I look for is I always tell them I want something special uh so if you our goal score, be a goal scorer. If you are good in the air, be good in the air. If you tackle like there's no tomorrow, tackle like there's no tomorrow. I mean, I want, if it's grittiness, if it's 
you know, you're kind of a nasty player. Be that player. Show something different because you don't want a bunch of hardworking average players. Everybody can juggle at the college level. Everybody can serve a ball 20 yards. Everybody should play with right foot and left foot. Every, you know, that's a standard at the next level. And I think a lot of high school recruits don't understand, uh, shoot, that's the next level. Right. That's expected of me. How do I separate myself to be different? And so I always say that be special in one area. Right. So what if you had a recruit that came in and said, I score bicycle kick goals? I would recruit them on the spot. Perfect. So <laughs> if you uh if you're if you're a bicycle kick scorer, uh hit up hit up Coach Brown. Yeah, at Regis and we'll we'll see what we can do. <laughs> yeah. Send them my way. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. Uh, so now in this, in this new world that we're living in, and, and I'm not talking about necessarily what's going on right now, but just in general over the last probably five years or so, social media is somewhat taken over. So what, what, what role does social media play for you when it comes to recruiting? I think it's twofold. I think Yes, we're looking at recruits on their social media to make sure we know them a little bit more as people. Um, and they can create their own brand as far as being a player. Um, but I think we as a university more. Um, information is so easy to access. So that's a way a player can see who we are and meet our players and our staff and our athletic department without having to go on campus. And I think we're able, our reach is a lot further with social media. I mean, we could be looking at a player in Delaware who might not have the means to fly out during season, but she can meet our captains via social media. She could follow games. She could follow, you know, a tweet, the score of games. She, right. So that's become a bigger part of it. Um, information is just a lot easier to access and, I think our players are slowly realizing the power social media has. Uh, so if you're a big time player at a university or a, our program, a fan can look at you and see who you are. And if you don't represent yourself in the right way, then that may or may not deter a recruit from joining a squad. And, you know, for the better too, they could be want to be a part of it. Um, so it, it's neat to see it change. It's, a realization for older people like myself who actually have to adapt and understand and learn a social media platform and how to use it effectively. You realize, Oh, it matters. Right. Um, so. No, that's a, it's, and that's a, I think that's an interesting take on not only the, the ability that your players will need to, or the, the realization that they're, they're now role models or younger players are going to look up to them, but for a potential recruit to now engage with the, with the schools that they're interested in through social media, I think that's important. I think that's something that maybe gets missed. Um, maybe it's not, it, it seems, it seems like a simple concept, but maybe isn't, uh, isn't really looked at, you know, if, if you're looking to play at, you know, Regis, for example, and, but, you know, you go in and you're looking for that player and that player doesn't happen to follow your social media accounts and they do have a social media presence themselves, it almost seems uh, counterproductive to a certain extent. It's just, yeah, 
Uh, so no, it's an interesting take. So one of your other many uh, jobs, uh, let's put them that way, you're part of the West Region ODP program. So you coached the 2005 girls team. So how's that experience been? And do you think that has evolved over the years since you've been part of that program for a while? That's interesting because ODP has changed a lot. I mean, from when I was a player to coaching and now it's almost taken or come full circle. But with the West region, it's the 14 states on the Western side of the United States. And it's, I absolutely love it. I've been part of the program on a state level since, you know, for 14 years, I think. And then part of the region staff for about six and a head coach on a squad for three or four years. Um, I just switched off actually the 05s and taken the 07s oh, nice. for this coming year. So, little younger players. I was with the 05s for three years and fantastic group. I mean, it's so fun to see those girls come back every year and new talent coming in every year. So the, the team has changed a little bit every year, um, but we do have some of the the regulars that come back from year to year. So it's been fun to see them progress as players. And then also as they start to pursue the college game, um, you take them at eighth grade and they go through their high school journey and you see them three or four times a year on a regional level, national level, and to see where they're interested in and then actually see them play at the college level. And I think that was cool. And I'm kind of going off topic, but even in the Pac-12 when I was at CU, every game there's one or two players from my regional squads that would come up and say hi and so now you see them wear a different jersey you're still connected even at the college level which was exciting um but as far as the odp program with the da going away i think everybody's kind of aware the da had strict rules as far as outside competition or ability to play in outside venues we weren't able to get the academy kids and now that the da has gone away we can now get those players or it has given us access to different talent um, across the board, which just opens up the, the world of recruiting for us, for those teams. Um, we expect the camps to be a lot bigger in the summer. We expect we're taking two teams now to Orlando for the interregional event in November. And we're actively going after players as opposed to just hoping players sign up and register and we get to see them. So now we actually, we have eyes in every state and in every club that will kind of, kind of like the U.S. scouts that right. recommend players and post players, the state associations are now pushing players. And since everybody has access to it now, our pool, player pool list is a lot bigger, which is fun for, as a coach. Um, and it should produce a very high quality tournament in November. Well, and I think the other one of the other parts, and you've had a you had a couple a really cool experience a couple of years ago where you got to travel out of the country with your ODP program, right? Yep, we've gone. I've gone to Costa Rica with a team. I've gone to Guadalajara, Mexico, with a team. Uh, last year, we were supposed to go to England um, in March. I know one of the groups went to Iceland. So it's next year we're slated to go to England again with right. the 2007 so and you pile in the cultural experience too and you actually have a really good team to travel with yeah so we're playing women's professional teams overseas which is it's good for the girls that's really exciting so if you i mean if you need a uh 
if you need a podcast crew to follow you around uh, during the, uh, I'm sure Anthony, Dwayne, and myself, and Jenny, who's not here, will gladly volunteer to go with you and just follow you around. We'll do a Just follow with you, only if you bring that microphone. I will bring the microphone, just so, but I'll give it to you. You can use it. It'll be for you. I'll to- use it. Yeah. Well, it's actually interesting, and it might be good. I mean, even talking to the the staffs over overseas or in Mexico, like Guadalajara, for example, just interacting with coaching staffs over there or players, especially female players, and what they're going through or how they train or what they picture American soccer players or even female athletes in America. It's, I mean, they look up to American women soccer players, which is really right. neat and see for our girls to see like. So uh, one of uh, so your former role at CU, you were the coordinator of performance analysis, and I thought that was a really cool job. So what do you? What's your view on video analysis and your experience with it? How what what part does it play into the games? It's evolving a lot, and I think especially on the women's side, you don't find a lot of women soccer players that watch soccer. Um, or they like to watch soccer because they're on TV right? and they just like to watch themselves, which has some benefit, but it's evolving a lot. And I think education is a big part of it is how do you watch a back line? How do you watch a full team shape? How do you watch tendencies or um, weaknesses in a match? And I, we're trying to incorporate a lot more of that. And it's not necessarily watching the buffs play it was watching epl matches or champions league matches or even national championship um why is stanford so good what did they do well and so i think it's evolving a lot um and we all joke about as coaches that we're better soccer players now than when we play we might not be as fit but we've been given the opportunity to watch the game um and take a step back and I find even injured players that take a step back off the field and kind of open their scope a little bit, they find a lot of benefit to the game. The game almost slows down. Um, so it allows you to interpret your decision making or see the different options. That coach keeps screaming at you, but you're getting the coach screaming at you and your teammates screaming at you. And then you have to make a decision in a half a second. Video analysis allows you to slow the game down and kind of open your scope to see multiple options and it takes practice i mean just like anything with meditation or sports imagery you're not good at it at first but the more you apply it and the more you practice it the easier it is going to be to use it to your advantage as a player do you think it serves uh or do you think it has a role or a spot in the youth soccer game yes Uh, Again, I think it would be greatly beneficial if you start training or incorporating this portion of training earlier because they become better at it at a younger age. They also find an appreciation for watching the game. And I think you see that overseas. Tactically, players are a lot more advanced in the youth systems overseas because they just watch soccer all the time. Right. Um, American youth don't really watch it, and that's a function of maybe the games aren't on TV or they're a little more difficult to access to watch matches. Um, so you see players watching other sports like baseball and American football, and 
so they watch that a lot as opposed to overseas you're watching football or soccer um so yeah i think it's greatly important but i also think because you train them earlier now they get the benefit of it so once they get to high school they know how to analyze video or slow the game down a little bit that's a good that's a good reading of it i i like that um i think it's something in general we have we've we tried to implement it at our club or we've tried to slowly start implementing it with certain teams i think the hard part is is from a from a youth soccer perspective the financial commitment to it and the time it takes uh to to put into it and i think that's the i think once we can solve that um i think we could we could potentially open up a world of opportunities for our players in general the difference is you know in the pac 12 i don't know if you're familiar with the instat software that's out there yeah with the video breakdown what they do is just on a different spectrum compared to your dad's video of an iphone of your state cup semifinal match um so it's different but i think you can find some benefit using both but it's expensive but the good thing is everybody has a cell phone these days so yeah i mean i think we just need to get our analytics and marketing department on uh on on all this and trying to i think i think Dwayne's going to work on this right Dwayne? yeah i'll talk to the folks downstairs yeah, there you go. Perfect. Uh, all right. What, so, one more thing yeah. with the video yeah. that I've – and since we're just talking shop. Of course. Enjoy, enjoying this, so thank you. But one thing I've done with my ODP teams as well as some youth teams is get video footage of a match. Ideally, if you want to put an opponent, that'd be great, or, you know, even just whatever game you can find. But having them create a scouting report of – a team and so then you take the video analysis part but you're also making them think a little bit further and just like okay hey watch i don't know man you how right. would you beat them next week if you had to play them so now they can watch it and it's a different way of watching the game but it was neat no i think that's i think that's cool i like that i like the idea of of that because then that makes it more accessible um ultimately we can and we did that, I, I think, you know, Dwayne and I and Anthony did this as well. Dwayne and I did this with our, uh, with our high school girls team. We would have them watch uh, halves of the youth national team games and we would break them down and ask them three or four different questions and talk about it. And then we would find a way to relate it to how we play and our style of play as a club and as a team. And we found a lot of value throughout the different weeks of finding the, some of the same players kind of going, oh, yeah, well, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago in this other game when we watched the U.S. play against China or we watched U.S. against Japan or Brazil. Um, so we found that they started to progress with it. So I think obviously it took somewhat of this, like, uh, break of soccer that we had to be able to – for us to, to find the time to do this. But if we can find the time to do this during the regular season or, or even in the winter months or summer months – as an extra added component to our season, considering we don't normally play during those times, I think that would be, that would be really cool. Um, so we're going to, we're going to explore that for sure. And I'm definitely going to reach out to you and ask you for help uh, because you are way better at any of this stuff than I am. So uh, I'm definitely going to ask for help. So, all right, Kelly, we're going to dive into more of your history as a soccer coach and as a soccer 
fan in general. Okay. So how did you get started in coaching soccer in general? By accident. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, it just started, I think all of us, just with the youth as a player, you kind of get pulled into coaching camps or coaching players a little bit younger, big sister, little sister type setup with older teams. So I think that's where it started. And then just through the summer months in college, it was difficult to find a full-time job that allowed you to train uh, for the college season or preseason. So camp soccer camps were always promising. I mean, you could coach a camp, but then you could train in the mornings or play staff matches in the evenings and so you got your training in but you're also making money so I think I started I definitely started coaching and at Regis actually once I transferred out came back every summer and coached the summer camp at Regis and so once I graduated college JB the former coach at Regis called and asked if I want to be the assistant in my master's and I said yeah sure um so jumped on board with that in 2010 so right away I moved back out to Denver and start coaching and got a master's actually in IO psychology. So I had no intention of being a full-time soccer coach the rest of my life. Um, But then Colorado State University started a women's program for the first time in 2013. And I got the call from the former CU coach that said, Hey, do you want to come be the assistant? And I said, yeah. (laughs) so I started the program up at Colorado State and it was just like it was just an opportunity I just finished my master's didn't know I actually went to Europe for three weeks because I didn't know what I was going to do and then I get that call that hey come be the assistant so I went up there for four years and just when I was thinking about getting out of it CU called and said hey do you want to come down and be a buff I said sure why not let's go something else and went to CU and then three years later the head coach at Regis walks away and I'm like yeah let's be a head coach now and so one thing just went to the other and I never wanted to leave Colorado so I've just been really fortunate to work at what I think are three of the best universities in Colorado I'm still here still coaching all right so outside of coaching soccer what other jobs might you have had before Oh, I don't think many people know this. Oh, this is great. Uh-oh. I love this. <laughs> so one of the only other jobs I've actually gotten paid for, I worked at Safeway when I was in eighth grade. I think it was my very first job. And I lasted about four days and hated it. So I quit. and that's really the only other job I've had outside of coaching. And I don't think I've told anybody that. Well, you heard it here. Yeah. Go, go Safeway. There you go. I gathered shopping carts in the parking lot and there weren't many options in Steamboat at the time. So (laughs) (laughs) you were in the section, you would have stayed way longer. (laughs) From my experience at ShopRite, the produce section was very stimulating. (laughs) okay see I was like the bagger that had to organize how to put things in bags and gather the carts it was it's not my calling I'll just say that much there's an art to that too bagging (laughs) there was 
that's awesome. I like that one. Uh, Safeway for four days. Uh, Dwayne, that might have your uh, <laughs> might take the title. Yeah, your Hollister for two for two days away. Don't give me the title. <laughs> uh, all right, three favorite soccer players. Oh man, three favorite. I do have to admit, I really enjoy watching Lindsey Horan these days. Um, when we were at the World or World Cup last, whatever in France, yeah, um, you were able to see a lot of different female soccer players. But watching her over the years, she just has this tenacity about her, the way she plays in the midfield and the goals she scored, that diving header she scored couple weeks ago it's just she's a fun one to watch and the fact she's from Colorado it's been fun um gosh you're putting me on the spot with three favorite ones yeah she's a good one I mean I like Christine Sinclair I've always liked watching her play at the top and the way she scores goals obviously I like goal scoring players (laughs) um she's fun yeah those are my top two we'll give you two we're not we're not getting a third we got to get a third for our wall of players. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Childhood idol. Childhood idol. That was different back then. I mean, I'll give Tiffany Milbred a shout out since I said I'll give her a shout out just because she was a fun one to watch um, as far as an unsung hero. She's kind of the workhorse on the field. She scored, I think, some of them, one of the most goals she has but she doesn't get the recognition. Um, but she's just one of the shorter players that I've enjoyed. I actually coached with her. She was with the West Region for a while. Okay. But not a lot of people know her playing resume. Uh, but she was an outstanding player and worked her butt off to be one of those best players. And that's I have a lot of respect for that. So we'll throw her in there, too, for your wall of players. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, it goes on our <laughs> website. We, we, want, we want to find different oh, really? players. Oh yeah. Well, we want we want uh, the players from our club, or players that anybody that wants to look at our website, uh, in our podcast website, we want them to be able to see a player that they might not have heard of before and look them up. We live in the era of YouTube where things are easily accessible, uh, so finding footage from games and things like that is a little bit easier. So hopefully, people are looking at and and finding out some about some different players. All right. So if you had to coach a different sport. What would it be? Hmm. I wish I could say, I want to say skiing, like alpine skiing, downhill racing, only if there's like a heated coach's box. So I, I love the sport of skiing and downhill skiing, but it gets cold. And I'm not a big fan of cold, even though growing up in Colorado, so. If I could have like those hand warmers, that's where I would coach. <laughs> the coach. I like the cross. <laughs> or on the phone, yeah, we could zoom. I could probably zoom the race. <laughs> Can you imagine getting coached while your coach is like hot tea in a blanket, like chilling, watching you on TV? That'd be pretty. That'd be... Ski. That's not how you coach, Dwayne. Absolutely, I wish. <laughs> We can get, you know what we could get? We could get one of those iPad robots that's like on a, <laughs> on a Segway and you just like drive around from your house in a, in an iP- with an iPad. 
That way you're just remotely there. There you go. We can put a scarf on the robot to make sure that the robot's not cold and then uh, off you go. <laughs> yeah, that might, be, that might be the way to go. I think we just solved uh, the, the coaching difficulties for people that don't like the cold or the heat for that matter. And the reality is, is that if you coach a sport that, you know, relies on it being really hot outside, um, that's there. We've solved your problem. There you go. So. CU, Danny Sanchez, a head coach at CU, had a rule for his staff that we would never coach in pants, no matter what. So it would be snowing or blizzarding and freezing rain, and there are no pants with the staff. That's a fantastic rule, by the way. Yep. So it was just, it was a mentality. It was just something he adopted and I hated it. He didn't tell me that before I accepted the job. Um, but now my legs are just numb. So I could wear shorts and, you know, 10 degree weather and be fine. But you best believe I've got about 18 layers up top. I really like that rule. <laughs> there you go. Shout out, shout out to coach Sanchez. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's an awesome rule to have. No pants when you're coaching. That's great because that eliminates the suit right away. That eliminates <laughs> that. The, the idea that you're ever going to have to coach in a suit is out the window. That's great. That's, that's right up my alley. Uh, I think the only time I've had to put on a suit in the last five years was for Kelly's wedding. <laughs> you look good in it too. So. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, all right. A 3-5-2 or a 4-3-3? I'd have to go 3-5-2. Just because I'm really bored of the four three three right now. Good. I just see it a lot. So yeah. throw something different. Let's see the new trend. We'll go yeah. three five two. Do you think the three five two is the new trend? Do you think that's what's uh, what everybody's going to be switching to in the in the coming years or in the coming year? At least? I think. Yeah, I mean, I think a three back is. Um, I'm not sure if it's a three five two or a three four three or. Three, three, four. I don't know what you want to do, but I think a three back has kind of been the movement so far. Um, I haven't coached a team yet that has had the right three to move to a three back um, yet, but I could see it going that way. People like to score goals. Um, fans like to see goals. My husband would rather defend the whole game. Um, <laughs> So, but oh yeah, he's, he's like definitely it. he's a four four two or four one four one type of type of coach. He loves the four one four one. He does. <laughs> he absolutely does. It's great because he's not here to defend himself, so we can kind of poke fun. So, <laughs> uh, all right. So, well, so then I'm hoping I already know the answer to this question. You got five minutes left in the game. Your team is up one nothing. Do you go for the second goal or do you park the bus? I park the bus. Oh, no. Yep, I do. I I have gotten greedy in the past, and it's come to bite me in the butt. Um, and I'm good with just walking away with the W. So, one up, one nil, five minutes left, you just win the game. Now, if there's 70 minutes left, you go for the second goal. Right. Five minutes left, you just walk away with the result. We're sitting, we're trying to sit in the corner of the, we're, we're sending everybody to the corner to hang out by the corner flag. Yeah, like three and a half minutes, maybe. Five is getting a little obnoxious. 
you definitely clear it. You forget to pick it up. You, you let the ball roll behind the bench a little bit. Yeah. Pretend yeah. you're talking to somebody. Yeah. You pull out all those stops, but. It takes, I mean, I, I, I will, I will say, I do think it takes a, the right soccer brain to think about those things at that time. Cause I don't think it's anything. It's, I don't think, I, I think yeah. that's the, the true test of a coach. I think if you know how to manage game time and you can look at your clock and know how to, how to correctly sub or, you know, do you walk slower to get a ball or, you know, if it comes to you, do you just kind of play, play like you didn't see it and you just kind of let it roll away the other way? Yeah. Have you ever done it where you like try to go down and pick up the ball and you kick it with your toe and you're like, Oh shoot. And you try to go pick it up again. Yeah. I have also, I have also, punted the ball incorrectly <laughs> somewhat on purpose to a player like oh yeah i'll get it to you and i kick it the other way i have not done that <laughs> now that might have been inability to actually punt the ball uh but i'm gonna say that i did it on purpose we'll never know we will never know you know in high school in delaware they the rule to now you used to be able to sub as many times as you want and now in the last five minutes all uh, all substitutions are the clock is stopped, so it's a running clock the rest of the game except for the last five minutes of the game. We just sent the ball boys down. Well, yeah, we've had some Delaware Union ball boys that I've had to coach at prior <laughs> to the half starting, you know. But all right, well, you you made it through all the questions. Woo! See, that's it. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's it. Uh, so. Kelly, we want to thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast, and we want to wish you the best of luck this year at Regis, and uh, hopefully you guys get to play and you, you do a fantastic job in your first year as a head coach there. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. It's a good group of girls, great university. Send me any Delaware players you think that want to, want to come west. You got it. Um, we're looking. You got it. All right, now we're moving on to the MLS's back tournament. So all the first round, all the group stage games have ended. Uh, somewhat interesting results. I think some, some of the teams were upset. Some of the teams were not expected to go as far or make it through the group stage. San Jose Earthquakes is, is one of them. Didn't make the playoffs last year. Cincinnati um, was a surprise. Cincinnati was a surprise. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Cincinnati, I think, and probably San Jose. San Jose at top of their group. Um, and, of course, the Philadelphia Union uh, coming in second place, only really through goal differential. But uh, they play tomorrow night, Saturday at 10.30 p.m. against New England Revolution, coached by Bruce Arena, which I think it's a tough matchup for the Union. Uh, but I, I'm, I have faith. But I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna. Um, I am not going to uh, give a whole lot of uh, projections or anything like that because clearly, as we'll talk about in a second, we're not good at those things. Uh, well, that you two aren't good at those things, okay? <laughs> Last week, so we can't throw my percentages in with your guys. All right. Fair enough. We'll just. It'll just be my fault, Dwayne's fault, and Jenny's fault. I mean, if, if, if we're being honest, the Delaware or Philadelphia Union have the best player in the tournament, in my opinion, on their team, and Andre Blake, who's yep. been 
maybe maybe the best player in the whole entire tournament. And when you have a keeper that's as hot as he is, uh, I mean, you, you're almost – you're in every single game. It doesn't really matter what it is. So, I mean, uh, maybe it's a tough draw, but I, I like the union's chances. Uh, I agree. Me too. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the Columbus versus Minnesota game. Uh, Columbus is – I don't think they're. I don't think they're unexpected. It's but kind of unexpected. I mean, for them to be the best team in the tournament, I, I think. Well, I think what's unexpected is they haven't gotten scored on yet. Well, yeah. That but, I think that's that's good. I mean, I think, and they're also playing Minnesota, which I don't know that Minnesota really has the scoring power. That guy, uh, the guy. you know, that guy. Yeah, I think they've been less. Like that's like the most important part. Like is to have that guy like I know it kind of sounds like elementary it's like soccer you have to score but like you can just tell like if you have that guy that can come in and score your team is just a whole different team well and I think I think you're absolutely right I think you've seen it with with the Los Angeles Galaxy for example Chicharito is out of the tournament and then they really struggle to to have a goal scorer that can naturally score goals uh, everybody thought kind of the same idea with LAFC without Carlos Vela, but they're able to turn it around and still score a lot of goals and still win games. But the reality is that you, you need, you need a difference maker up top, right? You need a difference maker. You need somebody that, that will come in and change the game. Uh, and right now Columbus, Columbus has it. Zard is scoring goals. They've always, like, for the past couple of years, they've had, you know, a guy. Like, they had Kai Kamara. Yeah. Um, now they have Zardes. Iguain was in, the, was in there for a long time. Uh, now they have a young Argentinian player, Lucas Hilarion, who is coming from the from Liga MX, the Mexican League, over. And I think he's, uh, he's, he's the, your typical number, small number 10. He's a small little guy, but you know, very creative, very good on the ball, uh, scored a beautiful free kick uh, in the first game. So I think Columbus is an exciting team to watch. I'm also looking forward to the Seattle LAFC game. I think that'll be a fun, fun game. Um, so no, I, I think the MLS back tournament is, is good. I think they've, they've kept everybody safe. Uh, they went through a whole round of tests that everybody came back negative, which is good. So they're doing it right. I think it's just hard on the players, you know, four months off, coming back, another four months off. Like, yeah, just do some tired legs. No, for sure. And then also wrapping up this weekend is the NWSL Challenge Cup. Uh, as we previously alluded to, Dwayne and I and Jenny uh, are terrible at picking <laughs> uh, are picking teams, apparently. We, we had... North Carolina Courage and the Washington Spirit going very far, as we talked about in the last episode. And then 24 hours later, they were both knocked out uh, in the quarterfinals of the tournament. Uh, so we have the final is, uh, is on Sunday at 12.30 p.m. You can watch it on CBS. And it'll be Houston Dash against the Chicago Red Stars. Houston's coming in as one of the highest scoring teams in the tournament with the leading goal scorer, Rachel Daly. Um, I think, I think it's a it's it's really just anyone's game here. Uh, either of these two teams can can score goals. They both give up goals. Let's take so, the over on this game. Over what? 
Over all the goals. Oh. <laughs> the amount of goals scored, I'll take the over. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, both of them, both teams won their quarterfinal game on PKs. Um, and both teams had a tough, tough draw in the semis. So I think it'll be, I think it'll be a fun game to watch. Um, I, I think it'll be a high scoring game or I'm hoping it's a high scoring game. So I'm hoping for like a seven, six final. I don't know if it's going to be that much, but. I mean, we can always hope for a seven, six final. So that's coming up on Sunday. Make sure you check that out. Uh, Sunday's a packed, packed day of soccer. Uh, you got all the uh, Premier League games at 11. If United finds a way to mess this up, man, I will not be happy next week at camp. And it takes a lot for me to not be happy at camp. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so that's that's coming up on Sunday as well. We haven't really talked about the Premier League a whole lot. I think I think we're saving all of our European soccer stuff until in the next couple of weeks when we start talking Champions League. I'm excited yeah, for that. Can't Can't wait for Champions League to come back. Uh, I'm really excited. Uh, so we're going to talk about the player of the match award. Uh, I'm going to let Anthony go first because I think, and, and I knew where, and I had a feeling he was going to pick this player. So Anthony, uh, who do you have for your player of the match? Yeah, so my player of the match, if you watched uh, on Wednesday, um, Chelsea versus Liverpool, I went with Christian Pulisic. Even though they did lose, um, I just thought it was incredible for someone that's been on a, a, an unbelievable streak since soccer has gotten back, to have a poor performance um, and then be benched by the manager pretty much and to come in in the 70th minute when your team's down three goals and just spark your team. I uh, came on instantly, d- just phenomenal individual skill, a little touch for a Meg, a, a beautiful cross, assist. Uh, five minutes later, just a, another great touch. Um, a turn and just a banger in the top corner. I mean, he completely flipped the game and it just goes to show that it's not, it's not whether you start or whether you finish the game. It's about where, what, what you do when you you're given your minutes by your coach. So for all you young kids out there uh, who are maybe upset by the playing time that you get, or maybe aren't in your coach's favor right now, once you get that opportunity, you go in there and you make the most of it. And that's all you can do as a soccer player. Christian Pulisic for 12 minutes showed that he can do that on the highest stage. So that's my, that's my uh, man of the match for the week. I think that, like, like you said, if you want to get the coach's good graces, come on the field, get the ball, and just start running at players like he did. And your coach is going to find it more minutes for you somewhere. Like, every coach wants you to run at the defenders and run towards goal. And that's kind of what he did. Like, you just changed the game. I just start. like, you just started running at players. He took on, like, three players. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Positive impact. Absolutely. Dwayne, who do you have this week? I have uh, Jeremy Ibobisi out of uh, Portland. Uh, I picked him. Like I said, MLS, you need a forward to, you know, score. Like, it changes the dynamic of your game. Uh, so, he's scored in every match so far in the tournament. Actually had a pretty nice goal in the second game of the tournament. Um, so check out those highlights. Uh, but he had a, a clutch goal, I would say, at the end of this last game last night uh, to give his team the draw. Um, but, yeah, great forward. He's, he's got some time on the national team, but I think that going forward, if he can, you know, keep this form, he may be the future number nine for the national team. Yeah, could be. 
All right, I'm going. I'm going off script, and I'm going Leeds United. Uh, <laughs> coach, coach by Marcelo Bielsa. Uh, the fact that they they haven't made it back to the Premier League in 16 years. There's a lot of history with Leeds United in general as a club. Uh, I got. I watched the Amazon uh, show that they had uh, last year. It was fantastic. I mean, I think uh, I'm excited. The question I think is. Can they can can they perform? Can they do a run like Sheffield Wednesday did this past year? Sheffield can, United. Sheffield United. Sorry. Yeah, Sheffield Wednesday is a different team. <laughs> yeah, it's a different team. I get them confused too. Yeah, Sheffield Sheffield United. Can they do something like Sheffield United did um, this year? And can they make a run for uh, for Europa League? You know, can can you or at least get close to it? If you if that's your ultimate goal, that's where you're you know that's where you're aiming at. You don't make it, at least you're you're safe, which is good. So, so Leeds United, just such a great story, especially that guy coming in and the, the taking over the team, the owner. Yeah, and, and the Italian guy. Mm-hmm. Not, if if we're not back in the Premier League in in four years or five years, I'm out because clearly I'm not the man for the job. It shouldn't yeah. take that long. And boom, two years later, it's it's just it's an incredible story. Yeah. So. All right, well, speaking of uh, incredible stories, on this day in soccer history, July 24th, uh, 2000, 2-0-0-0, Luis Figo becomes the world's most expensive player when he went from Barcelona to Real Madrid for 37 million pounds. How crazy it seems is that? Like so- it seems like such a little amount of money now. Almost yeah. to be, I mean, obviously not that not that we're dealing that kind of money, but to in the grand scheme of things, now it almost seems like chump change. Right. Yeah, that's like a player that you're looking forward to. Like that's less. <laughs> that's less than Chelsea bought Pulisic for. Oh yeah. Like almost half. But wasn't was it Harry Maguire just sent the uh, just set the record for a defender? Right. It was like sixty mil. Yeah, and before that, it was uh, Virgil Van Dyke. But it's your it's your rival, so you got to charge them like. Well, I think that was a, the the tough part, right? That he had said he was going to stay at Barcelona, and all of a sudden, boom! There he goes into Real Madrid, um, which which sparks the the whole run that Real Madrid does in the in the early two thousands. So, that's today today in history. And if you don't know who Luis Figo is, please look him up. Look up some Luis Figo YouTube videos because you're missing out if you don't know who Figo is. All right, fair play of the week. I'm going with Frankie Amaya uh, from FC Cincinnati. Frankie Amaya, uh, 19 years old, starts cutting hair for his teammates inside the bubble. Uh, Goes home uh, during the break, goes back to California, Starts cutting his dad's hair, starts looking up YouTube videos, and now he's doing it for free. He's taking donations, so he'll take some tips here and there. So far, uh, only one player, Minujanin, has tipped him 50 bucks, and that's all he's got. Uh, but he's doing some good work, and he's, uh, he's, uh, uh, he's working at it. Greg Garza talked about how he's t- he sees his passion for it, and he sees that same passion being carried over in the field. So Frankie Amaya, man. 
not only that, he also scored a wonderful goal this past uh, last week. Scored a great goal. So Frankie Amaya, man, congrats to you for for stepping up and cutting your teammates' hairs. It's 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 pretty awesome that uh, if and this is a little off soccer topic, but how like performance, but along with like your overall like persona is so important to these players, even though they're still living in a bubble. Like, did you see the NBA built a barbershop in the bubble for yes, just because players still got to look to the par, you know, just cause you're in the bubble doesn't mean, you know, you can look like crap. They have a standard that they gotta, they gotta keep, especially on national television. It's crazy. They're going to be there for, you know, what, two, three months. Yeah. I mean, just to think, though, you know what? We should build a barber shop in the middle of this bubble. It's still, it's like, that's crazy. Yeah. All right, Dwayne, who do you have? I have uh, the MLS uh, food staff. So, you know, we're talking all the team nutritionists, Disney staff. They've uh, gone through 5,000 pounds of food already. And they're going through 5,000 meals a day. Um, so shout out to the MLS's back, you know, tournament staff for that. Um, obviously the players have to eat. They're obviously going to use DoorDash, Uber Eats, whatever to get the food that they want. But, you know, the nutritionists are putting together those meals, those after training meals, those pregame meals, all that stuff. So, you know, we don't really think about that kind of stuff when when we're watching the game, but, you know, they're taking care of the players. Anthony, who do you have? Um, so I went with the uh, National Women's Soccer League and um, their decision to give expansion rights to Los Angeles. I just think that this is so important to go into maybe arguably the largest market in the United States in terms of like building the product and getting people to understand how great the product already is uh, for the NWSL. So I just think that it was such a big step and it was led by so many, so many famous people in uh that that we look to as like kind of heroes um in our society like natalie portman serena williams uh abby wambach mia ham like all these people teaming up to try to get this uh get this expansion organization started in such a big market i just think it's a huge step for the league as a whole and for us you know actually appreciating what women's soccer is in the united states so yeah for sure uh, no, that's very exciting. Um, I'm looking forward to them coming on on the market. That'll be great. Uh, all right. So before we wrap up, make sure you follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Delaware Union. Hit us up on Instagram at the Delaware Union Soccer and tweet us at the Union Soccer. Also send us a topic that we can uh, we can run by our marketing and analytics department so we can uh, we can get you on the podcast or, or get get your topic out there. If you got a free T-shirt for Dwayne, uh, send it over to him. Uh, Dwayne, do you get any T-shirts yet? I have not got any T-shirts yet. All but, right. hey, I do have all my free T-shirt from the convention this year. So, there you go. Perfect. Uh, all right. So, make sure make sure you send us uh, send us some, some swag for, for Dwayne so you can rock that on the podcast, even though it's an audio podcast. We can make sure we'll let you know if he's wearing it. All right. Thanks for joining us this week. And remember, always receive the ball on your front foot. <laughs>